Hey y'all, this is Charlie, and welcome to Living, Loving, Laughing, and Grace, and we are in part two of a sermon where we are learning about our identity as beloved children of God. So this is part two, so if you haven't listened to part one already, I recommend that you go back and do that because in part one, you're going to get some of the biblical basis where we learn that once we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have been forever changed and two children of God. It was done through the blood of Christ. Just like the blood that you're born with tells you who your earthly parents are, the blood of Jesus Christ now tells us that we are children of our daddy God in heaven. And coming up in the second sermon, we're going to see how that practically plays out in our lives, how that gives us the day-to-day victories that we need. Amen. So here you go. I want to show you we're going to go back to Matthew and just see like where the rubber meets the road, how very practical it is to walk around understanding that I'm a beloved child of God. We go back to Matthew chapter four. Actually, we'll read the verse uh, before Matthew chapter three, verse 17. So this is what we already read. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Then, then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Notice that the Lord didn't lead him out to be tempted by the devil until he had first heard that you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Do you know the devil has no temptation for us when we understand that we're the beloved children of God? Because what can he offer me that my father can't give to me? Amen. And we're going to see that just as I said, God specifically spoke, you're my beloved son. When there are so many other accolades he could have spoken about Jesus. That's also the one thing that the devil attacked. So then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, if. If you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. Now, is there any law that says you can't make stones bread? No. Is it wrong to have food when you're hungry? No. God, or Jesus even shows us later on when he multiplies all the loaves that he takes a little bit and multiplies it into a lot of food to feed. So obviously the problem was not turning the stones into bread. The problem was the, if you are the son of God. See, the devil was trying to get Jesus to prove, to perform, to try and make himself to be what God already said he was. This is the same temptation that Adam and Eve fell for in the garden. God had made man in his own image. And the devil came and said, if you eat of this tree, you will be like God. See, they already had it. They were already in God's image. But the temptation was that they wanted to do something of themselves, something they could then take pride in to say, this is why I'm like God. So the devil comes and attacks the, are you really the son of God? And notice, what did he leave off? Beloved. God had just said, this is my beloved son. But the devil didn't say, if you are the beloved son of God, 
because the devil is never going to want to remind you that you're beloved of God. He wants you to think God doesn't care about you. When we have those thoughts that, oh, this isn't something God would handle. This isn't something God wants to take care of. God, God, I'm out of relationship with God now because of something I've done. All those thoughts, they're coming from here. That's the devil. He wants you to think that your father doesn't care for you. He wants us to think that our father is cold and hard and stingy. That was what he did in the desert, in the garden. God had given Adam and Eve, and it said that every tree, every tree was beautiful to behold and good to eat except for one. And then the devil came along and dropped the word that they could freely eat. And the whole twist was that he made God seem cold and stingy. So Jesus answered and said, I love this. He answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Listen to this. So when the devil is tempting you, give him the word of God. Just give him the word of God. You know, when you're having those, those doubts and stuff, does God want me healed? By his stripes, I'm healed. By his stripes, I'm healed. As he is, so am I in this world. You know, you speak the word. But what was Jesus's motivation to bring out the word, right? Because it's what's in our heart that affects what we do. He just said it. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What was the last word he had just heard from the mouth of God? You are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. The last word Jesus had heard from the father was that he was his beloved son in whom he is well pleased. So because he took that into his heart, he was carrying that around in his heart. Then when the devil came to him with a temptation, he was able to take out the written word of God and give the devil the point, right? Because this is our sword. This is our offense. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God. See, it's this constant refrain. If you're really the son of God, if you're really the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. So again, he's using the written word because of the spoken word he has in his heart. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Just a little hidden gem here. Jesus just had a major victory over the devil himself. You think that'd be a great time, right? Ride that high and go straight into your ministry. But instead, he stops, he rests, and he lets the Lord minister to him. If our Savior, the Son of God himself, needs to be ministered to, how much more each and every one of us, especially after a victory, 
We need to come back and have that time where we sit and we just praise the Lord and we give him thanks and we build that memorial. We talked about that memorial of gratitude that the Lord is the one who gave us that victory. I let him strengthen us back up. The devil wants us to think, you know, if he lost that one, then, oh, run out there quick, 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 go. Right? So, so we see that the, the, the devil tempted Jesus in three different ways, but really it was always the same temptation. If you're really the son of God, so do something to prove who you are. You know, he comes to us with that all the time too. If you're really a child of God, if you're really forgiven, if you're really a Christian, you wouldn't have just done that. If you're really a Christian, you wouldn't have just said that. If you're really, a, you know, it's always as if, if, if he does the same thing. And that's the time we bust out the word on him and remind ourselves, I am a beloved child of God with whom he is well pleased. Let's go to 1 John the first letter of John. First John chapter 2, verse 15 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Listen to me. Those are the three temptations Jesus just had victory over. The lust of the flesh, the bread, the lust of the eyes, the kingdoms, the pride of life. To throw yourself down. God will catch me. I'm so important. And how did he overcome it? It just tells us, listen, it doesn't say if anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in him. It says the love of the Father is not in him meaning that that individual does not have a revelation or believe that the Father loves them. That's how we are victorious over the enemy, over the devil. When we walk around, John says it later on in, in, in chapter 4, when we know and believe the love that the Father has for us. And I want to tell you, I actually looked this up because in most translations, it says the love of the Father is not in him. But I have seen it in one where they changed it to the love for the Father. One out of eight translations. So I looked it up in the original Greek and it is the love of the Father. It's all about how much he loves us. And then you see the, the personal, the relationship, the love of the Father, not the love of God. They are one and the same, but he wants you to see him as your father. Because when you need something from your daddy, you just go. You just ask. You just expect him to be there. The love of the father. So guess what happens when we do know the love of the father? Then we will overcome the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We'll be like Jesus. We will live in the same victory because that's what he did. You know, in that one name, Father, and the one name of Father encompasses all the other names God revealed himself as in the, New, in the Old Testament. The first one, God, your provider, a father provides. God, your protector, a father protects. God, your healer, 
a father heals. God, your God, your lover. God, your God Almighty. Every name that we see of Him in the Old Testament, we can see in that one name. It is beautiful, and we learn from all the names of God, but the only name we need to call on is Father. Jesus told his disciples that in his last, in his last words that he spoke to them. He told them, up until now, you haven't asked anything in my name, and he talked about the Father, and you will ask the Father in my name, and he will give to you to make your joy complete, just like a father wants to make their children happy. Amen. Going back to Galatians. So we see it is a running theme. Back in Galatians chapter 4. So in verse 5 we read that he, he sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons... Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. You know, this scripture and the one in Romans 8, I don't know if we're going to have time to get to, are the reasons I call God Daddy. Because Abba is the Hebrew, the Holy Spirit, even though the New Testament was written in Greek and translated in English, he has made sure to keep this word as Abba because Abba means Daddy. It doesn't mean Father. It's not a formal term. It's a very informal, very close, very intimate. You can go to Israel today and hear kids running around on the playground. Abba, Abba, Abba. Abba, come push me on the swings. They don't say, oh, father, who sittest on the park bench, will you come hither and push me on the swings? You know? I mean, no. Abba, right? And when we need him, it's just that one desperate cry, Abba. And he is there because we are his children. And he has put his spirit of his son. Why? Who knows what kind of father he is better than his own son? That's why he didn't give this revelation to Moses or to Abraham or to any of the prophets. No, the revelation as God as father didn't come till Jesus came because Jesus knows what kind of father he is. So he was the only one that could show and tell us. Do you know... Uh, at that, that, that point when Jesus was baptized, God pronounced that he loved Jesus and he was his beloved son. And you know, that's the, the Jordan River is the lowest place on earth, the Dead Sea. And the Jordan River flows into the Dead Sea where Jesus was at that time. The next time God says it is on Mount Horeb at the, at the Transfiguration, the highest point in Israel. God says it again. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Hear him. Hear what he has to say. Hear him. And incidentally, the next word out of Jesus' mouth was, do not be afraid. Why? Because we have a loving father. We have nothing to fear. And at our lowest point, and at our highest point, his love for us doesn't change because it's based on who he is, not based on who we are. Whether we've done good or we hadn't, he loves us. We can't make him love us anymore, and we can't make him love us any less. But the beautiful thing is the rest of Jesus' life, you know why we know he knows he was loved? Because he's the one that went around saying it. 
He went around saying the father loves the son. The father loves the son. The father loves the son. His response when the Pharisees were going to try to stole him was the father loves the son. Our, our, our response, our victory in each and every situation is my daddy God loves me. Amen. That is power. That is how we're meant to live on this earth. Jesus showed us the kind of life that we can have. And he showed us how to have it. He said, everything I do, I do because my father shows me. Everything I say, I say because my father taught me. And Ephesians, back to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. This is what Jesus did. Ephesians 5.1 Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. Jesus walked on this earth. Think of this. He never doubted when he asked for a miracle if his father was going to come through. Because he believed he was loved. He believed he was, that his father was good. He believed in who his father was. And it tells us, I love this because it doesn't just say, it could say be imitators of God as children. That would be good enough. But it says as dear children. You are a dear child to God. Which means what? A child who is well taken care of. A child who is looked over. A child who is loved. As dear children. That's how we imitate God. This came at a cost. Because we all know, we, we even feel it inside ourselves. Sin has to be punished. And it was punished. We don't deserve to be children of God, but we get to be children of God. Because Jesus gave up his place. And I and, and, and one day I was I was just thinking about it when I was just hanging out with the Lord, and it's like the Father and the Son looked at all of eternity. And the father told his son, I'm going to have to leave you on one day. Just one day. But that one day would be the darkest, most painful, most horrific day of Jesus' life. And the father had to turn his back on him. Because the moment Jesus took our sin into himself, the father couldn't look at him anymore. And it's the only time that Jesus didn't call God father. The only time he called him God was when he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He had to so that in our darkness and our misery, in our death, he could turn around and say, welcome home. You are now my children. And now on your darkest day, on your worst of times, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you, not ever in any way, under any condition. You are my child. Amen. Amen. That's his love. And that's what it means that we are a child of God. This came at a heavy cost. It came at a heavy cost. 
But that's how we see how much our Father loves us and that he paid, paid the right. We're not going to make light and say that if I do something, I can lose relationship with him. I grew up under that teaching that you fall out of relationship with him. No, Jesus gave up his relationship with the Father so that I never have to fall out of relationship, ever. What does it mean I will never leave you or forsake you? I will never leave you or forsake you because Jesus took our place. He took our sin to give us forgiveness. He took our unrighteousness to make us righteous. He gave up his place as a child of God to make us the children of God. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Daddy God, we, we do. We just thank you for the incredible love you have for us that we just can't even, we can't fathom or imagine it, Lord. So help us, help us to keep that in our heart, to walk around, Lord, with that on our lips, that we are beloved, we are cared for, we are looked after, we are protected as dear children. That you've already paid the price, so you'd never have to pay it again, and we would never have to pay it. That we have the assurance of knowing we are once and for all children of God. A part of your great family. We thank you, Lord, for your love. We thank you for what your love is doing here right now in our hearts, in our minds, in our bodies. And even going out into our week. We just thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.